three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, we're going to completely preview the Cubs season coming up in just a second. Plus, a brand new exclusive interview with Brett Boone, the All-Star, former Gold Glover, and Mariners legend. Talk with him extensively about the MLB season, what to expect from the Cubs and White Sox, his career, and so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's a glue. You to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. What's a rebuild? <laughs> we all know this, right? Rebuild is when you're a team, you're trying not to compete, you tear down everything you have, trade assets, don't spend too much money, you're on a budget, and the goal is to compete for the future. Bears are doing it right now. We know this. Bears are not spending much money. They're not making any trades. They're not trading draft capital. They're not filling up their cap space. A lot of the guys they sign are one, two-year deals. They're veterans, not really that good, could do well, but the goal is not to compete next year. Trying to compete in two or three years at most. See, last year, I pretty much encouraged the Cubs to do the same thing. And they did, finally. It took a long time for them to get rid of the ties of Brian Baez and Rizzo. But they did it. Nothing to complain about there. It was painful for the fan base. Oh, my goodness, these were World Series winners. But at the end of the day, they weren't producing. They would have cost way too much money. And they were really hurting the Cubs. They got to a point where they hurt the Cubs more instead of helping it. I could find any first baseman on the street hitting 250 with 17 home runs. That's league average, below league average production. I really can't find anybody who's striking out at a rate of 200 times compared to 60 walks for the whole season. Someone like that would be in AAA. Well, that's Javier Baez's counterpart. That was his counterpart last year. And Chris Bryant was average. Chris Bryant was hitting 270, 18, 20 home runs. Again, pretty average production for a third baseman. See, all these guys had names. They had name recognition. But the numbers that they had put up in the past were not there anymore. It made sense to get rid of everybody. In fact, they should have done it earlier. But I know because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the shortened 2020 season, it made things more difficult for the Cubs to try and operate. So they did it last year, and everything finally went away. Cubs had no more assets. They lost the rest of the year, tanked it, 71-91. and 91. 
horrible season, but in reality, they made the first good step in becoming better later in this rebuild. Now the 2022 season is upon us, and for the Cubs, I have to say this. I've looked at their roster. I've looked at who they have going for them in their five-man rotation. We'll talk about it, their lineup. I'm going to come out with a pretty bold prediction here, something that I never thought I'd really say. This team could be competitive. I really think so. I think there's an opportunity for 80 wins, 82 wins, maybe a 500 team. And you know what? That's not bad considering last year could have been a 100-loss season based on how the second half went. I really believe this team for the Cubs could actually play competitive baseball. They have a nice mix of younger guys, older guys who have been proven in the past, with an emphasis still on the future. See, this Cubs team right now, this is not the final product by any stretch. We all know that, too. <laughs> this is not a World Series winner, no chance. But this could be a winning team already. And if they do win, if they win 82, 83 games, maybe they sneak in one of the extra wild card spots, I'm going to have to reuse the definition of a rebuilder. In fact, call this a retool. Everybody's called this a retool for the Cubs. I can't say it yet because I don't know. We saw what happened last year. That was not a retool. That was a fire sale and a rebuild. Management called it a retool. Oh, we're going to rebuild on the fly and get better on the fly. Well, the fact is you got rid of three former All-Stars right away, all in one day, pretty much, or all in the span of two days. That was a rebuild. That was a fire sale. You see stuff like that happen to NBA, NFL, MLB teams all the time. They choose to sell on everything and say, you know what, time to restart that window, restart that clock, and get back to this point in a couple of years. But when I look at this team right now, there are a lot of opportunities for competitive baseball. I don't want to guarantee it, but there are opportunities for it. Look at their rotation. Hendricks, Stroman, Smiley, Steele, and Thompson. Wade Miley on the 10-day IL. Hendricks and Stroman, for the most part, are pretty proven. I do have my doubts about Stroman. I don't care if that's really unpopular. But Stroman, really, in his career, has not been consistent enough. When you look at Marcus Stroman and his stats, not everything's been perfect for him. He's certainly gone through some struggles in his MLB career. In last year, 3.02 ERA was his best year by far on record, but, I mean, there have been times in which he has not performed. Only the past two years, really, maybe past three out of four, really, has he done great. What worries me is that 2018 season, a 5.54 ERA, and early on in his career, too, 2016, 4.37. It's not bad now, considering how different the game has become and how hitting has really dominated the past year. A 3.02 ERA for Marcus Stroman would be great. And that'd be elite, probably top 10 in baseball, so... I can't really complain about that, but I have my doubts. Just based on he's had struggles in the past, could happen again. But I'd like to see him live up to this contract. So having him and Hendricks, if they could bounce back and have around 3.5 to 4 ERAs, that's a great start for the Cubs at, at your 1-2. Drew Smiley's always injured, so I have no expectations for him. If he does good, good for him, but I have literally zero expectations. He's always hurt. Always hurt. Funny part about Smiley is, too, he's not even a real starter. 
He's going back and forth from the bullpen to starting back to the bullpen. The Cubs had him actually a couple of years ago in a one-year deal. Never even played. Got hurt. So I don't know what the hype is around Drew Smiley. Don't get it. He's done really nothing in his MLB career. Always been hurt. And I wouldn't be surprised if something happened this year, too, to that effect. I, I wouldn't be surprising based on his track record. Alec Mills is on the IL as well. I have no expectations in him. Last year was a complete disaster for him. And I don't really care about a guy who is a veteran at this point, technically, who throws the ball 89, 90 miles per hour and doesn't have Maddox-like ability. It'd be different if he had Maddox-like ability. Mark Burley, even Kyle Hendricks, but he doesn't. Serves it up on a platter, ball is crushed. It's not going to help anybody. Wade Miley's the interesting one. He was actually acquired by waivers. Had a great year last year in Cincinnati. They just had a fire sale. They got rid of everybody, too. They're really rebuilding, the Reds. That was a great pickup by the Cubs. No question. Probably one of the best pickups, actually, of this offseason when you talk about value. They really didn't have to pay him that much compared to Stroman. Picked him up off waivers. Had a great year last year. I love that move. When he comes back, if he performs like last year, if Stroman performs like last year and Hendricks rebounds, that's a great one through three. See, that's the thing, and we'll see this as we go on through the roster. There are a lot of guys who've had good careers and good seasons. If everybody coalesces and has a good season or could play up to their full potential, we're talking about a real competitive and, if not, playoff potential team here. But the problem's going to be, can they do it? We don't know. And it would be stupid to say, oh, everybody's going to perform at their top and they're going to win because we don't know that. And all these guys are new. It's it's just, it's not going to work like that. It'd be nice, but probably not. And that's where my trepidation lies. In the bullpen, David Robertson. Again, proven closer, but older. Not as effective as he once was. Michael Gibbons. Again, proven reliever. Older, not as effective as he once was. Daniel Norris, the same. Also, Rowan Wickback and Chris Martin. I mean, bullpen's fine. Hey, the best thing is, no more Craig Kimbrell. I don't care what happened last year. The fact is, that guy's a joke. A total joke. What a waste of money by Theo Epstein at the time and Jed Hoyer to actually pay him what they did. Ridiculous. Talk about a waste. Wilson Contreras is catching. He's steady. I know we did a video a couple of weeks ago. I still would trade him if the right partner and the right deal comes up. I know the Yankees and the Padres were interested. But the Cubs are around 500 come the trade deadline, and there are serious offers for Contreras. Get rid of him right away. Take whatever you can get for him. But he hits around 240. 18, 20 home runs. Decent enough defense. Good arm. He'll be good behind the plate. He'll be very reliable. Frank Swindell is going to be the one that really intrigues me. Obviously, last year, Swindell had a monster second half of the season. Remember, that was a 30-year-old rookie, pretty much, we're talking about. Same with Patrick Wisdom. Both of them at the corners. We're talking about 30-year-old rookies and now 31-year-old sophomores. This is why I say it's not the future. This team is not at its final product, but they both perform like they did last year, which is possible. Hey, you're talking about some potentially winnable games with them. Wisdom is just raw power. Strikes out way too much. Does not hit enough for average. Raw power. Swindell did everything last year, but you can't expect him to hit 330 this season either in a full season. I love up the middle for the Cubs. This, to me, is a part of the future you're seeing today. Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. I don't really get the hatred 
for Nick Madrigal, the constant criticism. Oh, only hit for average. Um, not a big OPS. Doesn't walk. I love players like that. I do. May not be what the norm says. May not be according to war or all the saber metrics. But the fact is, always makes contact. Never strikes out. Never walks. Plays decent defense. Fast contact hitter, too. Hits for average. The big question for him has always been, can he sustain this over 162 games, or 150 games even? Had injuries, he's been hurt, but when he's played, he's been pretty damn good. I love Dick Madrigal. I love the move from last year. I really did. I still like it. He has the chance to be the future starting second baseman for the Cubs. At the end of the day, too, when he needs a rest, you got Jonathan B.R. Jonathan B.R. at one point was a 2020 guy every year back in Baltimore, and now we're talking a couple of years ago, but still, B.R. has power and B.R. has speed. So he could replicate some of that here in Chicago in a role-player type situation. Good for him, too. And another great move, a depth move by the Cubs. Nico Horner, too. Horner, another guy pretty much similar to Madrigal. Does not hit for power, hits for average. He's proven it, but hurt has not played a full season yet. So this is a big test for them. Can they do what they've done in 140, 150 games? That's the question. If they can, you got your brand new double play combo for years to come. They're both young, both controllable, both similar in the sense that they hit the baseball, they hit high average, low power, good defense. That is huge to have up the middle near the Cubs. In the outfield, it's kind of an open book right now. A lot of different guys trying to buy for playing time, and this is going to be determined in the first month or two of who's really going to stick and who won't. Clint Frazier's interesting. If you don't know Clint Frazier, he was a top prospect back in New York, and he actually played well when he got major league time. The problem was they were so crowded. I mean, good luck trying to play over Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton, who they paid that $300 million contract. It just won't happen. So Frazier gets a chance here to really prove himself. He was hurt, too. Had a couple of injuries, concussion-based problems. So coming here and having some mild success at the major league level already, being a former top prospect, here's his chance to shine. He gets a ton of opportunities. May not be starting in the opening day lineup. He will start. He will start here over the next week or two. Everybody's going to get a chance here. Everybody has a chance, especially in this first month, to prove themselves. I like Frazier. And... Here's a great opportunity with the team. Now you have some room in the outfield to finally perform. Also, being Hap out there, I'm not high in Hap. I think he's way too glorified because of his public image, because he does the podcast and he's funny. He and Hap is not good. He's an average player at best. You know, it's pretty funny. He's been around now for like four or five years, and there's really been nothing of significance that he's done. Last year, okay, I don't want to hear about last year turning it on in the second half. Those games were meaningless. The Cubs lost every one of those games. Meaningless baseball. Well, he turned it on. He did better. Look at his numbers now. Well, what were they in the first half when you needed him, too? They needed Ian Happ, and he sucked. They actually needed help from him, and he couldn't come through. I wish him all the best. I don't want to trash on him, but he's not that good of a player, and he hasn't proven anything to me. I haven't seen anything special. Or, oh, wow, it's Ian Happ. I just don't see it. Can't hit for average. Strikes out way too much. I'm not interested. He's 27 years old, man. Get it together. From 2017 to 2021, he's playing. This is his sixth year 
in Major League Baseball. Get it together, man. A career 241 hitter. I mean, last year, okay, right. 25 home runs, 66 RBIs, and 148 games. All that production came in the second half. He was demoted, too, at one point by Joe Madden after being on the Major League roster. He's just an average hitter. Anybody could hit a baseball. Mobley slash is good. Not really. His OPS plus is 111 for the career. Last year was 102, meaning he's right around league average. He's an average hitter, run-of-the-mill guy. You could find these people anywhere. There's nothing special or so significant about Ian Happ. And again, he generates trade interest. The Cubs better trade him. The fact that there would be any interest should be a godsend for the Cubs. So I'm sure they've tried to unload him before, and nothing's worked. Jason Hayward and his bloated, ridiculous contract is still in center field. I don't know why the Cubs paid him that much money. At the end of the day, was it really worth it? What did he do that year? He was more of a liability that season they won the World Series. Oh, but what about his speech? Okay, fine. I mean, sure. But Jason Hayward has literally done nothing for the Cubs. He's won a gold glove, great. Okay. I'm not going to pay 20 to $25 million a year for a gold glove. That's just me. I know pitching and defense wins championships, but not when you're paying that much. <laughs> not when you're paying that for Jason Hayward. That was a horrible move. One of the worst moves, actually, of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer's era next to Edwin Jackson, too. And in right field, here's the biggest question mark, Seiya Suzuki. So he's here from Japan, five-year deal. So the Cubs have invested a considerable amount of money and time into him. We don't know anything about him. He did good in Japan, but what's he going to do here? Some Japanese stars have worked out in the United States, big time. Ichiro, Hideki Matsui, lots of pitchers, too. So we just don't know what he's going to bring to the table and how he can adjust to Major League Pitching. As we know, in Japan and Korea especially, the pitching there is much weaker. Much weaker. Way different than here. So when you come here, you got to adjust to the pitching. I don't expect Suzuki to light it up right away, and I want to give him some time, rightfully so. He's going to have to adjust to Major League Pitching. You may not see something from him till June or July. That's okay. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's not easy to adjust to Major League Pitching. Just is it? Even when he did so well or had a couple of homers in spring training, that's really AAA pitching. Not Major League Pitching. You're not facing the best of the best. You're facing a reliever who may or may not make the team. That's a big question mark. Then at DH, you could rotate a lot of different guys. Ian Happ, Contreras, Wisdom, VR, Hayward maybe, give him a day off. I mean, there are a lot of different ways you can go on. What do I make of this? Well, you have a lot of guys who actually do have a name in baseball, who have somewhat of a reputation. Jonathan Villar has a reputation. A good one, too. David Robertson has a reputation. A lot of these guys do, but the problem is they had a reputation five years ago. If everybody on this team could rekindle their glory years, this will actually be a playoff team. Seriously. And I'd love to sit here and tell you that. But the fact is, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if David Robertson's going to be a great closer. If Seiya Suzuki is going to break out or not. If he could adjust to Major League Pitching in time. If Jonathan Villar is going to be used. And Drelton Simmons. 
What about Nico Horner? Full year. We need to see. Same with Madrigal. Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel, they did good last year. Can they carry that on as 31-year-old sophomores? There are ways in which I could see this working out, but there are a lot of ways in which it won't either. But here's the positive about all of this. The fact that I'm sitting here today talking about a potential playoff appearance for this team after just trading away Bryant, Bynes, and Rizzo is astounding. I actually give them credit. I do. I gave them credit last year when they made those trades, but even now. There is potential. You could see potential on paper for this team. And that, to me, is pretty surprising. Really surprising. I didn't expect them to be in this position already. Last year looked like a rebuild, but I'll tell you what, this may actually be a retool. And we'll see it, obviously, this year and based on performance. But I like the idea of this team. I don't know if it's going to work, but I like the idea. I get the idea. Got a couple of young guys who need to prove themselves, like Horner, Madrigal. Couple of veteran free agents, Stroman, minor league signees, Robertson, VR, Seiya Suzuki, X-Factor. If everything goes right, this could be an 85-90 win team. Seriously, if everybody plays up to their career year, this is an 85-90 win team. But we can't be assuming that either. That's why I think, if anything, this will be a 500 team. And there's nothing wrong with that considering what you did last year and the message you sent last year. This was not supposed to be a World Series competing type season for the Cubs. And that's okay. I like the direction they're going in. They have to rebuild. And right now, they're making some great progress. And this team still could at least do something come 2022. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Brett Boone comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Every chance of glory, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove Award winner, the host of the Boone Podcast. Please welcome Brett Boone to the program. Brett, it's great to have you on again. How are you? Hey, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> What's your best opening day moment to start? Whew, I don't have many. You know, I was just uh, I was just <laughs> talking to to a buddy of mine who was asking me about my opening day experience, and it's like. It's more like the Oscars, how I would think the Oscars are. It's more of a production. Uh, you get to the ballpark, a lot going on, a lot of microphones in your face, a lot of people telling you where you need to be at a certain time to run in from right field. Or, so it's kind of, from a player standpoint, you can't wait to get opening day over with, you know, because it's we're going to announce that the, the, the players are going to come running on the field 45 minutes before the game. It kind of disrupts, uh, it, for me at least, it disrupted – what I like to do every day. I like to, you know, I like to go down to the cage at this time, but opening day, it's kind of, you're thrown into a flux. So for me, it was always great to get past the first day opening day, hopefully get a hit, hopefully win a game. And and game two is when the season really starts, but um, yeah, opening day, you get those butterflies. Uh, they never go away. Trust me uh, to the day I retired opening day, that first at bat, you know, I felt like a little kid. 
And, and uh, <laughs> once we get that out of the way, it, it seemed to get a little easier from there. Never too easy, but always a little bit easier after that getting opening day out of the way. What's your reaction to this opening day with the lockout being over, some new rules coming into place, and the season actually kind of getting started on time, not much of a cancellation? I think that was key, you know, with the lockout. I think it was key to make sure you get in 162 games. So guys like me, guys like you can't critique and say, oh, you had a partial season. I think that was, uh, you know, a, a little footnote, but an important footnote, because I think now you don't give anybody that ammunition to say, oh, you cost us eight games. It wasn't an official Major League Baseball season. It was uh, these these. The basic agreement is very complicated, and I know to the average fan sitting out there, they don't really care about the money and where it's being split up and this or that. All they know is that their Cubs or their White Sox aren't out on the field, and that's all they care about. And they don't want to deal with the million-dollar problems that are going on. Uh, that being said, they are. You know, I, I was in those rooms, and, and I was a representative, and, and uh, it would blow you away being behind those closed doors and, and seeing what you did. It was a, definitely an educational process for me. As far as I'm concerned, it's behind them. Uh, the new rules, man. I don't like new rules. I'm a baseball purist. I don't like any of that. I like taking out the second baseman. I think that's how I earned my money and, and separated myself from the average second baseman. I like, I like pummeling that catcher at home plate to try to score a run. I think that's the way the game, the bigger bases. I, I don't know why that came into play. You know, I, I think it's pretty <laughs> funny. We need to have bigger base. for me. I think about it from an offensive player standpoint is I'm an inch or two closer to first base. So that's the difference between being safe and being out. I'm, I'm this far closer to second base, you know, on a double. So I look at it that way, advantage hitter. Um, the 12, the, the 12 playoffs, I don't know. I think it's 2022. I think the other sports are doing it. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I just think baseball, though, it's 162 games. And to almost reward half the field to go to the playoffs, little bit of cheapening of what the playoffs mean to, to the older generations. That being said, it's 2022. I guess we got to move forward a little bit. And then the DH, as much as a purist I am, I kind of like the DH. I think it should be uniform because now with all the interleague play with the postseason, uh, I think it's a disadvantage for those National League teams. When, when, an American, when an American League team goes to a National League ballpark, can't use the DH. Well, a lot of times, a lot of their budget is put into their designated hitter. They build their team around that offense, and all of a sudden, you take that away from them. Uh, same being said for the National League team going to American League team. The American League usually have a stud DH. The National League team at the last minute is putting usually an extra player in there, so a little bit of a disadvantage. I think this uh, levels the playing field, and I think it's 2022. It's time to do that, make it uniform. And you know what? We're never going to miss a big poppy an Edgar Martinez, a Paul Molitor late in his career, a Frank Thomas that doesn't play first base anymore. You're still going to get to see those unbelievable offensive players that normally we'd never know about if the DH wasn't there. Brett Boone here on Sports Talk Chicago. Brett, let's talk Cubs now. What do you expect out of them come this season? I don't have any great expectations on the Cubs this year. I think they're going to be a middle of the middle of the pack team. I think the Brewers at the top of that division are, are, are the class. I think if not uh, one of the best, if not the best starting rotation with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Hauser, Lauer, I, I just look at that Cubs and, and I, this Madrigal kid, he came over from the White Sox. Good future. 
But you look up and down that lineup, uh, so many of the – you got Stroman coming in. Did a nice job for the Mets. Going to put him in the two-hole behind Hendricks. Miley, Mills, Smiley round out that rotation. Not bad. The pen, uh, Wick Robertson, who took a little leave of absence, pitching the Olympics. He's going to be your setup guy. Uh, just nothing exciting on that paper for me. I think it's a rebuilding year. I think the Cubs will be back in a couple of years. But this year, middle of the pack, if they finish better than third, I'd be impressed. Did you like their approach from last year in trading away, Brian Baez and Rizzo? Was it time for them to do that? I think so. I think so. Uh, and speaking of Brian, it wasn't that a surprising trade. He went to the Colorado Rockets. You're getting rid of Arenado's story and you're bringing in Brian <laughs> for big bucks. It's like, what kind of world are we living in here? Yeah, I think it was time for that team. You know, you, you Baez moved on. Uh, uh, you mentioned Bryant Rizzo. He's now with the New York Yankees. Yeah, I think it's time. You know, that, that, that that core kind of ran its course, brought a World Series champion to the city of Chicago. Uh, they'll always have that. But, yeah, I definitely think it's time to move on. I just think the Cubs, a lot of times, they're, they're a big market team that acts like a small market team. And, and that kind of befuddles me. I, I think in Chicago, yeah, there's time for a rebuilding. But but to bring it down to scraps and rebuild from from – from the ground floor, I think is a little beneath the Cubs and what they're budgetarily capable of. So that's always a surprise to me. But yeah, I think it was time for the old guard to go out, new guard come in. We'll see how it goes. Why do you think they're not spending much money? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> it's uh, corporate America. You know, back in the day, it seemed like it was a mom and pop operation. Now these are corporations. These are run as businesses. Now, to be a great businessman, I, you buy a you buy a, a franchise, you do whatever you want. You know, you run it like a business. The end at the end of the day, what's our bottom line? What's going out? What's coming in? I understand that, but fans don't understand that. <laughs> fans don't care. They want to come to Wrigley Field and they want to see a winner year in and year out. I think kind of Chicago, Wrigley Field, the mystique, the nostalgia, the history. I think you kind of have to operate it like a Boston Red Sox, like a uh, like a New York Yankee, where year in and year out, no, you put the product on the field because you know the fans will show up. Uh, I don't know. I'm not running that company. What about the White Sox? What do you think about them coming up? I think the White Sox, when I look at that division over there in the central, uh, out of all the divisions, both leagues, uh, that stands out to me as the obvious choice for the top spot, the White Sox. Uh, an absolute great, uh, a great lineup with a Brayu Anderson kind of head that young kid. I, I like, and, and keep your eye on him. He was hurt last year. He came back, ended up hitting 330 as that Robert kid in center field. I think he has potential to be a superstar. That rotation top to bottom. I know you lost Rodon. I'm a fan of Rodon. I didn't like to see him go. You lost Kimbrell. I don't think that's a big deal for White Sox fans, but that rotation, Giolito, Cease, Lance Lynn, who had a, Cy Young type year last year, uh, Keuchel and Kopech rounds out that rotation. It's as good as anybody by far the best in that division. Um, Giolito, he came on strong last year at the end, but a lot of people had him picked as the Cy Young. He didn't live up to that last year. Keuchel had an off year. He had, he had an ERA North of five. Uh, I think he needs to rebound if they really want to win a World Series. You need that that guy in the middle of the rotation. Lance Lynn, can he repeat what he did last year? For me, no. But still, 
electric bullpen headed with uh, Hendricks in, in the save in the uh, closer position. I don't see anybody coming close to them. You know, the guardians and, and by the way, John, I've got guardians written on all four of my walls, just so I don't <laughs> say Indians because, you know, we wouldn't want to offend anybody. Uh, it, that offense is, is, is really meek. If that's, a, if that's a good word for that, but Bieber, Saval, Plesak and Quantrill, I'd love to see them uh, have a healthy year and see how the, see how the guardians could do. I still don't think it's enough to overtake the White Sox. Twins rebuilding, Royals and Tigers, they're going to finish in that order. So, yeah, White Sox, definitely the class and definitely going to be somebody that that has a chance to move on, keeping everybody healthy, at least on paper. You know, we talked last year when the White Sox lost in the ALDS, and you were telling me that it was good that they lost in the sense that this was a learning opportunity for them. They were a young core. They needed some experience yeah. under them. Do you think they build off of that come this season? Without a doubt, because I think they're going to find themselves in a similar position this year in, in that postseason situation. And they can look at each other one year forward, say, remember, we were here last year, guys. Let's do this this time, not not that, and try to get a different result. I've seen that. I When you talk about a year of experience and how much that can help, uh, it can help a ton. And another example I'll use is the Toronto Blue Jays this year coming up. Look out for the Toronto Blue Jays. Last year, they were young, hungry, ton of talent on that team. Fell a little short in that postseason. I think this year is going to be a different different tune for the Toronto Blue Jays. How confident are you and Tony La Russa still managing this team? I think Tony, I said it from the very beginning. We had him on the podcast the winter before the opening. I think he's great for the game of baseball. Uh, I know he took a lot of flack in the city of Chicago, but I'll tell you, Tony is definitely an old school guy. You can't knock that out of him. I don't know what he is. He's getting up there in age now, but he's been through this game for so long. He has so many experiences. He's a hall of famer. And to think he was just going to roll into Chicago and be that 1988 Tony LaRusso, of course he wasn't going to do that. You know, he's older. He has his values. He has what he believes works. You know, he's been in this game so long. He's won world championships, but he also is a smart man and he realizes it's 2022. These kids are different. I'm not going to walk in and treat them like it's 1988. And I think he went in there, uh, developed a rapport with these guys. You know, probably at first was laughing at himself like he never thought he'd be managing this crew and, and managing this way. But he's still Tony La Russa. He knows the game inside and out. I think he was open to the analytical aspect that's in today's game. I think he embraces that. But he's still Tony. And in the dugout at crunch time, I still think you can you can talk analytics till you're blue in the face. The bottom line is the great managers in crunch time. When it's all on the line, there's something in that gut that tells you what to do. The great ones have it, and the not-so-great ones don't have it. They rely too heavily on the analytics. Sometimes you got to go with your gut. That'll always be the great managers. How badly do you think he wants to win here? I don't think it, it, it – you know, maybe. Because I think Tony, throughout his entire career, those great Oakland teams – uh, he was always revered. He was always praised. I think Tony wasn't used to ever being critiqued like the way he was in Chicago last year. So I think that that's a little added motivation for him to think, wow, I've been this great guy. I'm in the Hall of Fame. You know, everywhere I go at, uh, in my Oakland days, I was praised and nothing but positive things. All of a sudden, I got a little adversity here. Guys want me out of there. The 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 new school guys want the old school guys out. And, and I'm one of those old guards. Uh, I think it would be a little extra special for him to, to say, see, 
I did it the old way <laughs> and I did it the new way and it both works because I'm a great manager and I'm more importantly, especially in the game of baseball, you know, I, I talked to my brother who's managing the Yankees. Everybody knows that in the game of baseball, the players win games and the managers lose games. Uh, so when it's all said and done, it's going to be what that team does on the field. The great managers I played through for throughout my career always had the same thing in common. They got the best out of their players and they knew the personalities. They knew how to push push the buttons of each individual reading people. I still think that's what the great managers are. You got to, you got to kick some guys in the butt and you got to give the other guy a hug to get the same result. And the great ones know how to do that. What do you think about your brother's chances this year with the Yankees? I I'll tell you, I, I didn't know if I liked that team, but going through my 2022 analysis, when I look at it on pay, if you can, their whole thing is health. You got to be able to keep those guys healthy in the last three or four years. They've proven that they haven't been able to do that, but you keep an Aaron judge healthy DJ LeMay. Hughes healthy. He wasn't healthy all last year and he had a dip in his average. We're used to DJ being in the running for, for uh, the batting title last year. Wasn't one of those years. He hit 268. judge superstar of the game. Keeping that six, eight body healthy is not a, is, is a tall order, but if you can do it, wow, I'd love to see what he could do in a full 162 Stanton came on last year, still hit 35 home runs. Uh, Rizzo kind of the constant, constant pro at first base. I think he's on the backside of his great years, but a great club uh, clubhouse influence, a great defensive first baseman. Falefo is the exciting guy for me at shortstop. Because I look at, look at that Yankee team. There are a lot of base to base. There's not a lot of going first to third, scoring on a double from first. I think Falefo is going to add a little bit of that base running excitement that the Yankees desperately need. Donaldson's a wild card for me. From what I, what I talked to Aaron, uh, he looked great. He's swinging great. He's feeling great. Health has been a big issue for him. You can keep him healthy. Wow. Torres is going to be comfortable over at second base. Cole, top of the rotation, one of the stars of the game. Another key for the Yankees, Severino. If he's the Severino of 2018, you could have a number one in the number two hole, and that would be a great one-two punch. That bullpen is lights out. Those guys are dangerous. Chapman Green, Luizaga, Holmes, Peralta, that's as good as it gets over there. Once again, you got to keep these guys healthy, and the Yankees, unlike most organizations, if they're in a position at the trading deadline to go for it, they have the means to go out and get that Max Scherzer-type type, uh you know, finisher at the end. So uh, as long as you keep these guys healthy, I like the Yankees in 2022. Do you think it's possible for them and the White Sox to meet maybe in the ALCS? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And uh, if, if the Yankees are at that point, oh, man, if you on paper right now, everybody healthy, White Sox, Yankees, that's a good matchup. I'd give the slight edge <laughs> to the Yankees. That's full health though. More to come with Brent Boom in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Brent Boone still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Brent, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the Boone Podcast. How's it been going? It's been going good. It's it's twice a week, man. It, it's a lot of pressure keeping up those names twice a week, but uh, we've had a good time. We've had a great time with it. We've got some guys coming up. We've got Lee Smith coming up, Bill Walton coming up. Uh, 
recently we had Jerry Harrison Jr. is coming up tomorrow, uh, and we broke down the the whole 2022 uh, season. You know, Jerry's he does the pre and post game for the Dodgers. Of course, he was a Dodgers homer. He had the Dodgers winning everything. I had to put him in his place a little bit, but that'll be fun. AJ Pruszynski, a Chicago guy, he'll be coming out next Tuesday. He was a lot of fun. We had some. Uh, we used to call them Nike trips, where Nike would take a group of us uh, every year. Uh, away somewhere to Mexico, to Hawaii. And, and I got to know AJ back in the day when everybody hated him. And I said, why does everybody hate you, AJ? And he, he started laughing. And, and when I went on those trips, I realized, you know, he's actually a pretty good guy. And I defend him to the guys of the dugout. No, we don't like Przinsky. I said, I'm telling you, you'll like him. So if you don't want to like him, don't go meet him. But he has a lot of great insight. And, and we had a fun conversation. It was good catching up. I haven't talked to him in a few years. So we'll just keep this thing rolling, Johnny. We'll just keep it rolling, but a lot of fun so far. What about those uh, Nike trips? I didn't know you guys did stuff like that. What's that about? Uh, it was a it was a pretty cool thing. You know, you had to get invited, and uh, he Nike would take about ten uh, major league players every year and their wives, or or if they weren't married, they could take a a friend with them on the trip. And it was pretty much you fly to a destination. We stayed at a resort, had a bunch of activities on a daily basis, bunch of contests and, and uh, you know, we'd have treasure hunts and, and just five days of, you know, I, I have to admit there's, there was some beer drinking going on during those <laughs> trips, but uh, just something that Nike would reward kind of 10 of their top guys every year. I, I was fortunate enough to get invited two or three years and, and a ton of fun, ton of fun. I miss those times, but uh, the, I, they're still going on. You know, AJ said when, when, uh, when I retired and a couple of my buddies retired, they said they weren't, they weren't as, uh, they weren't as lit a 2022 word as they once were, <laughs> but uh, they, they're still going on and they're a lot of fun. Nike does a great job. What made them lit with you? Like what'd you do to make them? Good. Johnny, when I was a kid, we, we were maniacs. We, we, we would go on a trip and you know, we were there, you know, I'm getting a little older. I got to raise kids. I got to set a good example. I'm not that crazy party guy that I used to, but I definitely had my fun back in the day. Brett, before we finish up today, last question, how do you film the bat flip commercial for the Mariners? That was something in spring training. They rented a house and I remember we had to go on location and they just, you know, the, the one thing the Mariners do, they do a great job at, at doing those commercials. If you look through them, some of my favorite are the Edgar Martinez, just because of Edgar's personality. I mean, you can't help but love him. He's a big teddy bear. But uh, we went out to a location and, and they rented a house for the day and they had a backyard. So you saw me raking leaves and we'd go up into the whatever house we rented bathroom. And that's where we filmed the teeth brushing kitchen was right there. And we knocked it out in a couple hours. I knew every year I went to camp, I knew that they were going to have something a little off for my commercial. And I always look forward to it. That's the first thing I'd say when I got to spring training. All right, what's my commercial this year? They'd never tell me until right before we shot. Uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, that was something that, that uh, the middle of my career, I, I kind of started flipping my bat a little bit and my, my teammates kind of egged me on and said, Oh, you got to keep that bad flip. So it, it was more of a shtick than something I did, but, but it kind of caught on. People started to talk about it and it was kind of my, my thing. And, and I did it for years and, and they made a great commercial out of it. And to this day, I can't tell you how many people say, and that, that bad flip commercial in Seattle is still one of my favorites. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Was that the favorite one you filmed or no? Uh, if you, if you look at it, there's another one online where I'm at second base and I think I hit a double and 
you know, the, the actor who's playing the second baseman comes over and he, and he kind of looks at me and he says, uh, wow, you know, I, I don't know, something to the effect. And, and I said, oh, he makes an error. He makes an error. He goes, I feel so bad in front of Brett Boone making the error like that. I said, oh, don't worry about it. And he said, no, for a gold glover like you, does that ever happen to you? And I looked at him and I kind of said, me? <laughs> no, that never happens to me. You guys like you, it happens all the time. <laughs> That's my favorite because that was kind of my personality at that time. And that was my dry sense of humor. Something I'd say to make a kid feel bad. And then I'd go over when no one was looking to give him a hug and tell him I was just kidding, <laughs> but that was my favorite. But the one that gets all the hits is, is the bat flip. Cause that's kind of what I was known for in Seattle. Well, Brent, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes for the Boone podcast in this season. And looking forward to the next time we chat for sure. All right, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. Great talk there with Brent Boone. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Brent Boone himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Johnsy Sports and on Facebook, John Zaglul. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportstalkChicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turns?